0: Well, good morning, church. It's so good to be back with you this Sunday, and uh, I want to say a real thank you to Brenton um, for jumping in at the very last minute last week. I do want to correct something, though. Um, In my notes, it said I was surprised that the University of Kentucky, a football school, right scored so little against Ball State. That's what it actually said, but uh, but I'm grateful that he filled in and I'm so thankful for you. So thanks, Brenton, for doing that. And uh, and so, uh, But I'm especially glad that you are here this morning as we uh, continue this series. We're in week three, week three of our teaching series called This Is Us, right? The core of who we are. And we're exploring, we're taking time to explore our core values, the things that Warehouse Church holds to be true, these values that we consider non-negotiables. Like there's a lot of things that are negotiable, but these are the things that we consider to be non-negotiable if we're gonna fulfill our mission here to see more people experience transforming relationships through Jesus Christ. And so this is a really pivotal, a really key and important teaching series that we're in the middle of. Just to catch you up, in week one, um, we, we looked at our first core value, which was loving differently. And we said this, we said that love is not an emotion to be felt, but rather it's a command to obey. And we also said that loving differently is the number one way that the church today is going to move forward in influencing the world. That if we want to change the world, that we're going to have to uh, practice this idea of loving differently. Last week, we didn't just talk about celebrating stories, but we actually heard firsthand how God is working in Alex and Jerrica's life and how God is transforming Dakota's life. And they did an amazing, amazing job. Like, can we just give them another hand just for sharing their story? It takes guts to get up here on stage and to share your story. And I remember uh, Jerrica said, you know, I'm not a big fan of public speaking. Dakota said the same thing, but they did such an amazing job uh, sharing with us what God is doing. And if you happen to miss... Last week, let me just encourage you to go back and watch it online. Just go to our website, click on watch, and then you can go back and you can watch uh, week two of This Is Us, because they did such a phenomenal job sharing their story. And this week, we're going to explore our third value, uh, core value at, here at Warehouse Church, which is growing purposefully. We want to not only live differently we are love differently, we not only want to celebrate stories, but we want to grow on purpose. And as a church, I just want you to know this right off the bat. Like, if you're new to Warehouse Church, uh, this is a great series to jump into. And I want you to know we're committed. We are committed to holding each other accountable to growing, both individually but also collectively. And, uh, and, and, but what exactly are we, are we committed to growing? Like, what is it that we're committed to growing? Well, we're committed to growing in our faith. We're committed to growing in our faith both on our own but also together in community. And the Apostle Paul got really excited uh, about seeing churches grow on purpose. And he got so excited about the Thessalonians growing that he wrote a letter uh, to the believers in Thessalonica. And he said this in 2 Thessalonians 1.3, he said this, he said, we ought to always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, and rightfully so, And why are they thanking God? Because your faith is growing more and more and the love all of you have for one another is increasing. So Paul was super excited about seeing this church that he had started and planted and seeing that they were growing in their faith and they were growing in their love for one another. But what does it mean? Like, what does that look like to grow in our faith? What does that mean? Well, simply... It means that we are to be growing spiritually, that you and I are to be constantly growing in our faith. And and it means to mature. It really means this. It means to mature both in our knowledge of God. So it means to mature in what we know about who God is and how God works. But it also means that we are growing in our godly living and the way that we live our lives. It's not enough just to know a ton of things about who God is. But Paul would say, if we are going to grow spiritually, not only should we know who God is, but we should be applying it to our lives. It should be changing us. It should be transforming us in the way that we live our lives. And ultimately, it simply means this. It means to become more like Jesus. That's what it means. That's what we're committed to as a church. We're committed to becoming, each of us, on our own and collectively as a group, To become more like Jesus. You see, just as a person grows physically from an infant to a mature adult, uh, a believer's life is designed to progress spiritually from a baby Christian to a mature Christian. And in today's passage that we're going to look at, we're going to be jumping into Hebrews chapter 5. We're going to see how the church that this author is writing to, this letter to, how it had stopped growing. It had stopped growing spiritually and what the author has to say about their stunt and growth. And so to be honest, I I would share with you that this is one of those hard passages. This is one of those passages in the Bible that it's, it's hard to hear. That for you sitting out there, for me as I read it, it's a hard passage to digest because the author is challenging us. The author of Hebrews is challenging us to grow beyond the basics of our faith. He's challenging us, he's saying, listen, it's not enough just to go to church on Sunday morning. It's not enough just to know that Jesus loves you. It's not enough that as you mature in your faith, you should know more than just the basics. And in this passage that we're gonna read, he dares us, he triple-dog dares us to begin to eat solid food rather than just being satisfied with spiritual milk. Milk. And sadly, I think many of us today, we would resemble this audience, this original audience that the author of this letter is writing to. And while we should be qualified, you and I, if you've been hanging out in the church for two, three, four years, we should be qualified to pass on the truths that we've learned about God, we're just content, right? Like we're just content with sitting in our chairs and just learning the basics of the Christian faith over and over and over again. We're content with that. We're like, I'm good. I feel good about what I know. And it reminds me of a story of a pastor who uh, he kept preaching the same sermon week after week the same exact sermon week after week. And, and after about the third week, the leadership of the church where they pulled the pastor into his office and they asked when he was gonna preach on something different. And, and the, pre, the preacher responded, he said, you know what? He said, I'll preach a new sermon when you start living this one out. I'll start preaching a new sermon when you start living this one out in your lives. And so today, if you have your Bibles, let's open them up to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 5, and we're going to begin in verse 11 together. And I just want to read to you uh, uh, what this, uh, this, this letter, this, this, this author is writing to this church who obviously has stopped growing spiritually. They're no longer growing on purpose. They're no longer growing, is what he would say. So starting in verse 11, he says this, he says, we have much to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. So the author, just verse 11, the author is trying really hard to get the people to understand. If you read verses one through 10, he's trying to get them to understand uh, what Jesus, what it means that Jesus is the high priest, and, and who, they, who they can trust in and who is able to understand their struggles. He's, he's taking this idea of who Jesus is to the next level. He's trying to get beyond the surface of Jesus loves you, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. He's trying to get them into the deep end of the pool and helping them to understand some things about Jesus. And then we see this sense in verse 11 that he's frustrated. He's frustrated with the audience because they've stopped listening and then he continues on in verse 12, and we read on, and he says this, he says, In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Verse 13, anyone who lives on milk being still an infant is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. You see, the first thing that we see in verse 11, and the first thing that I want you to know today, is that the believers are not even trying to understand They're not even trying to understand where the author of this letter is trying to take them. He's attempting to teach them something of the deep mysteries of salvation. But they seem reluctant to listen. They seem like they're not even interested. And so there is this bit of reprimand that comes afterwards. You see, it seems that the author, well, he knows his audience well. We get the idea that he's been down this road before, that he's had this conversation with them before about their laziness. I mean, look at verse 11 again. It says, we have so much to say about this, about who Jesus is, what it means to be the high priest. We have so much to say, but it's hard. He's like, church, it's hard to make it clear to you. Why? Because you won't even try to understand because you're not even making an attempt to listen to the words that we have. In other words, I think what the author is saying is, listen, y'all have previously, you have a track record of trying to learn and you have a track record of growing in your spiritual walk. But if we took a little measurements, like how many of y'all took like measurements of your kids on the doorposts, right? And you had their name next to them. And he's like, the church uh, that this, this author is writing to, like they've been at that height that same height for a long time, they, they have, they've stopped growing. And he's like, for some reason, they've become spiritually absent-minded. They've become sluggish. Truth is, they've become a lazy church. they just become lazy. They just, they're not even giving it an attempt. And I would say that the church that the Hebrews author is writing to is suffering from spiritual laziness. They had reached a plateau of growth, they reached their ceiling, and they simply refused to go any higher. They're like, we're good here. Like we feel like we have an understanding of the basics, we don't need any more. They were listening to the message of the gospel the same way you and I, when we get on an airplane, the same way we listen to the flight attendant as they give you the instructions, right? Uh, they pull out that little bag, it's got the seatbelt in it, and it's got the little instruction book and the, and the mask. The, the oxygen mass that comes down, and, and we tune out. Like we tune it out, and that's exactly what was going on in this church. There was no attentive devotion to what they heard, they just simply didn't want to understand. And so the author's frustrated with them. He has so much that he wants to teach them and share with them, but he, he's finding it to be so challenging. And not because what he wants to tell them is overly complicated. It's not like like something that they'll never understand. It's not something that they can't grasp. But it's simply because they just aren't interested in understanding the new things that this author has to teach them about God and about how he works. And I I can relate. Like as a pastor, I've experienced those vacant gazes uh, when teaching something that I thought was really exciting and important. And it could have been uh, partially that I was at fault. Maybe, maybe I wasn't uh, uh, as—we'll um, uh, use the word "entertaining." That's not the best word, but as entertaining as as uh, it could have been, it could have been uh, uh, that. Uh, but I, that that it was just uh, something that wasn't relevant to them in that in that moment. But I'm convinced that many believers really aren't willing to put forth the effort to go beyond. The basics of the Christian life. Like they're like, I just want to know about prayer. I just want to know about reading the Bible. I don't need to know anything else. That's all I need to know. And and so we see this happening right here in the midst of this church. And the author is visibly frustrated at their lack of understanding. And next we see the author say this in the first half of verse 12. He says, in fact, he says, not only are you not understanding, he says, but in fact, By this time, you ought to be teachers. He's like, listen, you've been hanging around the church for a while now. You've been here one, two, three years. You ought to be teaching this stuff. Like, you ought to be able to teach this stuff. But he says, but you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. It's like, I've taught you this once. I've taught you it twice. And you ought to be able to teach this to people around you. But instead, you need someone to teach you the basics all over again. You see, not only are they not trying to understand, but there's a failure to learn. There's a failure to learn going on. He's like, by now you ought to be teaching these things to others. But instead, you need someone to teach you the basics again and again and again again. And of course, there's several reasons, right, why people don't understand particular biblical truths. Sometimes the subject matter is too deep. Sometimes it's like pastor uses, it's just too deep. Like we're in the deep end and I don't understand. And sometimes the Bible simply doesn't give us a ton of information. Uh, But it's always possible, too, that the teacher himself can't teach very well. But in this case, they weren't even trying like he's like you you're not even giving it a chance. He's not accusing them of lacking the necessary gray matter between their ears to understand and apply God's word. He's not saying you're not smart enough. He's not saying that you don't have the education to understand. He's not even using big words that would exceed their educational or intellectual cap- capacity. They'd simply stop listening. That's what's going on. And they, they stopped caring. They stopped meditating on biblical truths. They have become lazy in their approach to the revelation of God's word. And for that reason, the author is saying that their current state, he's like, it's inexcusable. Like, you don't have any excuse for me having to teach you the basics of the Christian life over and over and over again. There's no excuse. There have been, you've had plenty of time, he's saying, to have grown up in Christ. You've been in the midst of teaching for two, three, four years. You should know this stuff. But the reality is, is that that church, like many church folks today who sit in church for years or even decades learning the basic truths over and over again, never even wanting or desiring to dive into the deeper mysteries of who God is. And when they walk out the doors, he says, you're unable to share with others what you've learned. You're unable, you're not even willing to teach someone else to walk alongside someone else and to pass on the basics to someone who does not know them. They had failed to learn. And then he goes on in the second half of verses 12 and 13 and it says this, it says, you need milk, not solid food with an exclamation point. He's like, you need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk being still an infant is not acquainted with the teachings about righteousness. And what does that mean? It means the author is like, not only are you not, you're not even trying and you failed to understand, but he's saying, but you're acting like a bunch of babies. He's like, for a church that should be mature and should be growing, you're acting like a bunch of babies because you still need milk. He's like, grow up, church. You know, now around here, around Warehouse Church, we got a lot of babies sprouting up here. We got babies left and right. We're, we're getting to see them all over the place. And we all know that newborn babies, they require milk, right? Like it's, it's, it's all that they're capable, their little bodies, that's all they're capable of processing. But as they grow, we expect them to eventually begin eating solid food and drinking less milk and more solid food. And we would think it's strange if we came in and we saw teenagers and adults drinking milk from a baby bottle. Like, that would be weird, wouldn't it? That would be odd. You'd walk in there, and you'd be like, what in the world have I walked into? Right? If you saw Sean Oosley with a baby milk bottle in his hand drinking it, you'd be like, something has gone wrong. We would just think it's strange to see that happening. And, and uh and, and drinking just milk and not even eating any solid food. That would be really weird. Yet too often, we see nothing wrong with people who have been uh, believers for many, many years and who are an active part of the church and here often, but have only a basic understanding of what it means to follow Jesus. They're content just to drink from a bottle and never develop a taste for meat. And what is this milk that the author talks about? It's these basic foundational truths of faith. He talks about it in the next chapter in a few first few verses. It would include things like believing in the existence and the love of God. That's a basic truth. It would be knowing that we're sinful. That's a basic Christian truth. It would be knowing that Christ died for our sins. That's a basic Christian truth. That we must believe in him to be saved. Uh, that's a basic truth. Christian truth. And that if we believe in Jesus and that he died for our sins and we surrender our lives to him, that at the end of this life that we will experience eternity with Jesus. That's a basic Christian truth. And these are without question important truths. We should know. We should all know these truths. But there is so much more to the Christian faith than just these. And so the author is saying we must move on from milk to more solid food. Like we need to move on to vegetables. We need to move on to meat. We need to move on to solid food. In other words, like I said before, the author's telling the church, it's time to grow up. It's time to grow up. It's time to take seriously the matters of God's word. It's time to put down the spiritual milk bottle and to sink your teeth into a sizzling sirloin or tofu, if you're vegetarian, of God's revealed truth, right? Like it's time. So what can we do to avoid this condition? And we're told in verse 14 that using the word of God, putting it into practice, thus training oneself to know the difference between good and evil is is the antidote. And here's what verse 14 says. It says, but solid food, solid food is for the mature. Who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Let's unpack this for a minute. Solid food. Solid food are the truths that build on the elementary teachings. That if you want, you need the, the, the basics to build upon these with solid food. And they take us deeper, right? Like these, these solid food type of truths take us deeper into our understanding of who God is. They take us deeper into discovering God's purpose for our lives. They take us deeper into discovering how do we live out the Christian life in our everyday life? Like it's good to know that God loves us. It's good to know that Jesus died for us, but how do we live out the Christian life in the everyday? That's what the solid food teaches us. These are the things that continue to transform our lives. We say around here that we're always wanting people to take their next steps. And next steps, there's more steps beyond saying yes to Jesus and getting baptized. There's so many more steps. And every one of us is growing and transforming into the image of Jesus. And so it doesn't matter if you've been a Christian for five minutes or if you've been a Christian for 25 years, there's always a next step. There's always something to learn. There's always transformation to take place. You see, solid food is for the mature. Solid food is for mature believers. You don't give an infant a hamburger, right? You don't give an infant a hamburger. You give an infant what an infant needs. But if you're a mature Christian, you need more than just a hamburger. And so solid food is for mature believers. And only mature believers can grasp these deep truths. And to the immature, they're not going to be understandable. And so solid food is for the mature. And the author tells us, the author says that maturity comes from, check this out, maturity comes from living, faithful obedience to what we've learned. It's, it's basically saying, you know what, I've learned some deep truths about who God is, and I'm going to practice them in my everyday life. It's saying that it's faithful obedience to what we've learned, who by constant use, this is what the author said, who by constant use have trained themselves. Now that's a big deal because it's simply not enough to eat solid food. It's not enough just to know the deep truths about who God is. It's about constantly putting what you know into practice. See, it's a two-sided coin You can know, but you can't just know to know. You have to know by putting them into practice. And when you put those deep truths into practice, that's when you mature. It takes constant practice. And so as we live out the truths of God's word We learn to distinguish things. We learn to distinguish good from evil, even uh, even over things that are not explicitly mentioned in the Scripture. We're like, well, the Bible doesn't talk specifically about this. But when we know the deeper truths about who God is, we can make the jump and say, well, I know that that is not good because I know who God is. But if you don't know the deeper truths about who God is, you can't make that leap. You're like, well, the Bible doesn't talk specifically about fill in the blanks, so I don't know. No, you grow deeper in your faith. And as you grow deeper in your faith, you can say, well, I know who God is. And I know what this, this, this uh, whatever it is, this behavior is. And I know because of what I know about God, that God wouldn't want us to do that behavior. So that behavior must not be good. And so we have to constantly be practicing what we're discovering if we are to grow in maturity. So after all the author's comments about laziness of his audience and in growing in their faith and knowledge, he commits, in in the first three verses of Hebrews chapter six, he commits to going beyond the elementary truths. He's like, okay, so now I've made my case, y'all aren't listening, y'all are lazy, Y'all aren't doing what you need to be doing to grow deeper in your faith. Like, you should be teaching this stuff, not me. And so after he does that, he makes a commitment. He says this in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1. He says, therefore, so here's what I've just told you. That's therefore. Let us move beyond. All right, check that out. Let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity. That's a big statement right there. The author is saying, listen, I get it. Y'all haven't been listening. You've been kind of lazy. He's like, therefore, though, let's move beyond that. Like, let's, let's move on. Let's move beyond this, the elementary teachings about who Jesus is and move forward in our maturity. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from the acts that lead to death and of faith And God, instruction about cleansing rites and laying on the hands and the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment, and God permitting we will do so. So he's like, here's the basics. He lists some of the basics there in verses one and two. He says, let's move beyond these foundational things, like let's move beyond repentance. You've been around church long enough, you should know what repentance is. Let's move beyond uh, the acts that lead to death. Let's move beyond a life of sin. We know what sin is. Let's move on to this faith in God. Let's move beyond instructions about cleansing rites or baptism and the laying of hands and the resurrection of the dead. Let's move beyond eternal judgment and, and, and God permitting, we will move into deeper waters. He's like, listen, it's time. He's like, church, it's time to put down the milk and move on to solid food. It's time to start moving forward. And in these verses, the author lists, like I said, a number of these elementary teachings and they're wonderful things. But don't think for a moment that they're not important either. Like, I don't want you to think that the basics of the Christian life aren't important. They're huge. They're a big deal. If you don't know them, you should know them. But he's saying it's time to move on beyond them because they're merely the foundation on which we are going to build this superstructure of Christian growth. They're just the basement of the the sky rise or the, the high rise building that God wants to build in your life. You see the church and the, that the Hebrew author was writing to, they're like, we got the basement. What else do we need? And he's like, man, you're missing out. Like you're missing out on all the different things that God wants to show you. Like imagine what it'll be like to be on the 25th floor and looking out at God's creation and seeing things that you've never seen before. So what can be done Like, what do we do to overcome this spiritual uh, uh, laziness and to grow out of the spiritual infancy that we often find ourselves in? Well, I think there's a couple things that are worth doing. So let me just share a few of those with you this morning as we wrap up. The first thing that I think we need to do is we need to be sure that you actually understand the elementary truths of God's word. Like, you need to be confident in the basics of the Christian life. Like, you need to be confident that you understand that God is love. You need to be confident to understand that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. You need to be confident in understanding what sin is. Like, these are things that you need to be confident in. There's nothing wrong with them. They're really important. And you have to start somewhere. So maybe you're new to this church thing. And I would encourage you, understand the basics. You got to learn the alphabet, right, before you can read. And start at the ground level and slowly work your way up in maturity. In the new year, we're going to start offering a new small group every semester, and it's going to be called Rooted, the Basics of the Christian Faith. And each week in this small group, we're going to look at one of these basic foundational truths of the Christian life that keep us rooted in the Christian life. So you got to know the basics. You got to know the basics. The second thing I would say is this. I would say dig deep into the meat or the solid food of God's word. Notice what the author said in verse 14. He said that they trained themselves. Everybody say themselves. See, you have a responsibility as a Christian, as a believer. If you're a believer in here, you have a responsibility to grow your own spiritual growth. Like it is not a pastor's job to grow your spiritual growth. You have a responsibility to do that on your own. Let me just tell you this too, that Sunday morning at Warehouse Church is not enough to grow purposefully. It's not enough to come one hour on Sunday morning to think that that is going to grow you into a mature believer. You need to read good books. You need to find a mentor who can direct your steps. You need to ask for help for those, from those who are mature than you are in their faith. You need to hang out with others who share your passion for solid food. You need to hang out with others who will encourage you in your pursuit of it. You need to memorize God's word. You need to pray over God's word. You need to sing God's word. You need to preach the word back to your own soul every day. We got to dig deep. You see, it's not only our, the church's responsibility, but you have a responsibility on your own as individuals to grow yourself spiritually. The third thing that I would say is that we need to consistently expose ourselves to God. God. We need to consistently, we need to be consistent and faithful in exposing ourselves to the teaching and the preaching of God's word and to worship and to prayer both by ourselves and together with others. You should be here as often as you can on Sunday mornings. You should. You should be here as often as you can, but you should also be committed to spending time in God's word and prayer and in fasting and in worship on your own, throughout the week and I've heard it and I hear you and I know some of you are thinking this right now you're thinking but pastor I don't have time for that I have a busy life my schedule is full and yet we have time to TikTok, and we have time to scroll through scroll through Instagram hours at a time during the week I don't know if you know this or not but you can find your daily average of screen time on your phone it's alarming Let me tell you, if you've never done it before, I encourage you, if you just go to your settings, on an iPhone, I don't know about Android, uh, but if you go to your iPhone, if you go to settings and hit screen time, it'll tell you. It'll tell you how much time you're spending in front of your phone. And it even breaks it down for you. It breaks it down into social media time. It breaks it down into uh, scheduling and, and, and planning time. It breaks it all down for you. And I bet some of you would be alarmed at how many hours, not minutes, but hours you spend a week in front of your phones. We have time. If it's important to us, we'll make the time. The fourth thing that I would say from this uh, growing uh, you know, purposefully is that you need to immerse yourself in community. You need to immerse yourself in community. Did you know, I learned this a couple weeks ago, did you know that biscuits grow bigger When they're closer together, like when you bake biscuits closer together, they get bigger. I would have never thought that. I never knew that. But it's the same is true for us, that we grow better and farther together. When we're closer together, we need each other if we are going to grow purposefully. So make yourself accountable to other believers and be honest with them when they ask, how are you getting along in life? Like, don't just say, oh, it's good, I'm doing all right. Yeah, I prayed a couple times this week. Be honest, be truthful, be real about how you're getting along in the Christian life. Talk about your marriage, be honest with that and talk about your relationship with God. Talk about your relationships with others. Talk about how you love differently or maybe even how you failed to love differently during the week, but be honest. Listen, this is why warehouse groups is such a big deal to us. Like it is such a big deal. We understand that growth happens best in circles rather than in rows. That it happens in community. That there should be a line of people out there in the lobby waiting to sign up for groups. Because you and I both know that we're better together and we grow in our walk with Jesus better and more on purpose when we do it in small groups. Listen, we've got all kinds of small groups on almost every day of the week. There's sheets right on your chair. I encourage you to grab one. Look at it. There's something on Sunday. There's something on Tuesday, Wednesdays. There's a bunch on Wednesdays. Wednesdays is a popular day, but you need to find a group. And you need to get plugged in. You need to be a part of one. Like what's stopping you? Don't tell me you don't have time. You got time to go to football games. You got time to do this. You got time to do, you got an hour and a half, two hours a week that you can invest with another, with a couple other people in small group. Make sure that you sign up to be a part of a warehouse group. And Let me just say this. Can I just, I just want to be real with you. Can I share a truth with you? And the truth is this, and it's a hard truth, so brace yourselves, but too many believers, too many of us who have been going to church for many years, too many of us are relying solely on Sunday morning to feed us and to sustain us for the rest of the week. And I just wanna say again, it is not enough. It's not enough to grab your Bible on Sunday morning, head to the church house, come and worship for an hour, leave, put your Bible back on the shelf only to revisit it another week later. It's not enough. We need to be constantly feeding ourselves throughout the week. We need to show up on Sunday. Check this out. You need to show up on Sunday with spiritual bellies that are full rather than showing up on Sunday morning spiritually starving and emaciated. We should be here full to the brim, like, I just can't take another nugget. I've learned so much. I've eaten so much solid food this week. Like, Pastor, you better bring something really good because my belly is already full from all that I've done this week. It's not enough to take one hour a week to trust that that's gonna fulfill what we need nutritionally to grow spiritually. So just ask yourself, do you know the basics of the Christian life? If you do, are you digging deep into the word of God on your own? Are you consistently exposing yourself to God and immersing yourself in community with other believers in small groups? Like what's your next step in spiritual growth? What are you gonna do to take that next step so that you grow on your spiritual growth chart. So that you can look back a year from now and say, man, look how I grew over the past year. Look what I did. Look at the mysteries of God I've discovered as I have grown. Here's my hope. My hope for you and my hope for me is this, that may what the the Apostle Paul said about the Thessalonians, be said about Warehouse Church. May he say these words to us, that we ought always to give thanks to God for you brothers and sisters at Warehouse Church, as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly and the love of every one of you is increasing, is increasing. May that be said about Warehouse Church. Would you understand the basics of the Christian life? Will you take the initiative to grow in your spiritual life on your own and collectively together? Will you immerse yourself in Christian community? Will you bathe yourself in the worship of God, not just on Sunday mornings, Every other day of the week, so that we would never be told, Do I have to keep teaching you the basics? Like, you should be teaching that to other people by now. Why are you not understanding this? But that we may be said, Man, you all are growing and you're faithful to your spiritual growth and how you love one another. Praise God for that. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much, Lord, for these challenging words that the Hebrew author has written to the church then and to the church today. That God, it's important. It's why we have it as our core value that we grow on purpose. That Lord, that we don't just rely on one hour on a Sunday morning to take care of our spiritual needs. Father, we recognize that we need to do our part individually to feed ourselves and we also need to be intentional about being in community with other believers and small groups so that we might grow together so that we might have accountability so that we might have people asking us the hard questions like what have you learned about God this week? How is your spiritual walk going? Where have you failed? Where do you need help? God, for those of us in this room that have been hanging around church for a year, two years, 10 years, 20 years, most of our lives. Father, may we ask ourselves the question, what am I doing to grow my own spiritual life? What am I doing to make sure that I'm growing in my walk with Jesus. And Lord, for those of us in this room that are new to church, Father, maybe today is the day that they begin their spiritual walk. Maybe today is the morning that they say yes to you, that they ask for salvation, that they believe in their hearts and they confess with their mouths that Jesus this lord that he died on the cross not because he didn't have he had nothing better to do but he died on the cross for us so that we might not have to pay the penalty for our sins but so that we might be forever connected to our god if that's you this morning if you've never given your life to jesus let me just invite you right here right now Just invite Jesus into your life there's no magic formula for it, there's no right words to say, it's just simply Jesus I want you in my life I realize I'm a sinner I realize that I'm far from you, but today I want that to change I'm asking you to come and forgive me of my sins and to begin to transform my life so that I might become more and more like you every day and so that I might get to spend eternity with you forever. Father, would you be continue to transform each and every one of our lives? Lord, would you help us to take seriously our spiritual growth, that we wouldn't be like this church that we read about, that just stopped listening, that got lazy? We get lazy, Lord. But Father, we don't have to be make the decision right here and right now to say you know what God I've been lazy but I don't want to be lazy anymore so I'm going to do my part to grow on purpose so that I might become more like you if that's you this morning why don't you just tell God that just right where you're at just say God I have been lazy just admit it I've been lazy I've been doing other things I've been, my priorities have been out of whack. Father, I'm sorry for that. But Lord, I don't wanna be lazy anymore. I wanna grow. I wanna mature in my Christian faith. So starting today, I'm taking ownership of that. I'm gonna surround myself with some other believers who are gonna encourage me. I'm gonna find ways to grow on my own throughout the week. I'm before or after work going to make time because it's a priority in my life. So Father, would you help me to be more like you in my growth? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. Listen, God's got some amazing things that he wants to reveal to you. Like you may think you know all that there is to know about God. I promise you, you don't. I'm learning new things every day. I wouldn't learn them if I didn't take the time to invest in my spiritual growth. Are there days where I don't do it? Absolutely. Are there days where I'm like, honest, don't have it in me? There are, and that's okay. As long as we keep coming back to the table, wanting more and more of Jesus in our lives. As we sing this closing song, I just want to invite you, if you'd like to come and spend time in prayer, that this front area is our altar area. Our house is your house. You're welcome. Just come. Come and spend time in prayer. Maybe God's revealed something new to you this week, and you just want to say, thank you, God, for revealing something new to me. Maybe you want to come and just give your life to Jesus. You come. Do that. Maybe there's some things going on in your life you just want to leave at the cross. You come and do that. If you want someone to pray with you, I'm always honored to pray with you. Or grab someone. Grab someone sitting around you and say, hey, would you come pray with me? Like we just talked about that. Why don't you come and pray with me? And I bet you they would. So you come as we sing and let's continue to worship this morning.